welcome to Talking Tropes. And as we always say, trope is where the heart is. I'm Hannah. And I'm David. And uh, today, uh, as all of you are, are coming back from a, a well-deserved Thanksgiving meal, your tummy's full of joy. Turkey. <laughs> um, Otherwise known as joy. We want to talk about the real meaning of Thanksgiving, family. Yeah. Screw all that football and food. We're talking about the real F word today, family. And the term friends, which is also a good F word. Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of you out there have, have had, uh, you know, your friendsgivings. Yes. Friends are, as someone somewhere once said, uh, the family that you choose. And this is a trope that we see crop up, obviously, in real life, but a lot of the times in the stories that we tell. And it's it's actually one of my favorite tropes, so I'm really excited that we're talking about it today. Yeah, why, why, why is it, um, you know, so dear and near to your heart, uh, this, this found family trope? Yeah, I, I've always found it to be something really powerful to love your friends so much that they're basically family um like it's something that I've always felt very deeply towards my friends um and I'm someone who's lucky enough to come from a very happy family we all pretty much get along you know ups and downs of course but like like I have a very good loving family but do you think in youth maybe you know if you're surrounded a lot by, uh, by you know, family members who, who bicker, do you think it does, you know, contribute more to, to liking this trope? The idea of being able to, like, escape your family and go have a better one <laughs> somewhere else? Yeah, I, I think that definitely might contribute. But I, I think it's... I think for me, it's it's like an empathy thing where uh, mm. a lot of times in our media, um, in our storytelling, it's a lot easier for plot to happen if the character doesn't have family tying them down um, or holding them back in some way, especially when the characters tend to be younger. So they are often orphans or separated from their parents or if they're adults parents have passed away, things like that. Um, and so they don't have as much of that strong familial connection. And I know how much I value my familial connection. Right. I think what you were speaking to there, the idea that like they're an orphan for the purposes of the story, I think that speaks to sort of a, a subtrope of this, which is the conveniently orphaned trope. Yeah. Um, as TV Tropes defines it, <laughs> which is where they're orphaned really more as a plot convenience than as like something that's really central to their story. Right. But but often it does sometimes become central to their story. Like I've never had a father In figure. good writing for sure. Yeah. I've never had a father figure. I've never had a mother figure. And finding that in someone else is very powerful and very emotional. Um, and when you start to find and collect these other people, you're sort of recreating or creating for the first time this sense of belonging that you never innately had. Right. Um, and I, I think that's something that I want everyone to be able to experience. Um, For sure. I, that's a big part of um, the, the story or the show that, that uh, we've been watching recently, um, the, the new 2018 Shira yes. oh, on Netflix, so where she is, uh, Shira is initially orphaned and then taken in by the evil horde, which is you know really on the nose naming. Thank you, the 1980s, <laughs> and uh, she has 
a fraught relationship with her maternal and paternal figures who are named Shadow Weaver and Hordak. Yeah. So so it's not a huge surprise when she ends up running away to hang out with her sparkly gay friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and so much of it is about Shira's choice of who gets to be my family, who gets to be in my life. And she rejects her first adopted family, and it's it's actually very like heart-wrenching a little bit to watch her realize that they are these evil people, and that they'll, basically she's been lied to for her entire life. But then it's really heartwarming seeing her bond and uh, create these new ties right. with like Glimmer and Bo and all the rest of them. Of course. And of, of, and while, you know, um, I, I didn't grow up with the He-Man and She-Ra cartoons, uh, the originals, after watching this show, I did go back a little bit and watched a lot of the original She-Ra stuff. Yeah. And boy, whew, um, it doesn't hold up too great. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of blank-faced characters staring off into the middle distance going, oh, and we have to rescue this character. No, you are my brother from another planet. And I wiped their memories with magic. Oh my god. And just explaining the plot so to you. And then miracle. also the morals. It's basically a miracle we've got the current Shira. <laughs> basically. And it makes it particularly hilarious that there are some crazy people on the internet who hate this show specifically because it's like, Not like bringing that. politics into it. Oh my god. Whereas the original show is just about nothing. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. What do you want? This is the worst. It's just um, to take it back. Yeah, but, but so I mean, Shira is obviously a fantasy show um, for for children. It's animated, but this trope crops up across genre, across medium, across um, like age range. Like this is a popular, popular trope. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Do you have like a a favorite found family, David? Example? Um, it's so hard to choose. Um, <laughs> putting me on the spot. All right, sorry, sorry. I, I mean, I have I have so many favorites. It would also be hard for me to choose. Um, I think some of my my favorites um tend to be more in the like fantasy realm of things. Yeah, I think my my favorite found family, um, w when it comes down to it, it was one of the first ones that I was exposed to. It was Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm, yeah. I think that did a lot to establish my, you know, perceptions of what found family is and it, it might shade a little bit my my perceptions of some of the mo some of the movies and shows on this list. Um, cuz Avatar is like so on the nose <laughs> with its found familyness, yeah. um, especially if you look up the episode "The Runaway" in season three, where Toph starts going on these um, these money making scams and and scamming people, mm -hmm. and um, they point out specifically just how maternal Katara is. Yeah, like she is the mother of this group, very straightforwardly. Yeah, and Ang is like the kid. And Sokka is the ineffectual, Dad. sarcastic father figure. Um, and it's all very in your face about it. Um, they they make a lot of like references to like brotherhood between Aang and Zuko. Mm -hmm. And all of them have run away from their families, except for Aang, who's orphaned. Right. Or have complicated so relationships with their families. 
Yeah, um, it's pretty on the nose there. Who is each role in the found family? And so that's what I think of when I think of found families is like different characters in a group taking on these roles that would normally be filled by uh, blood relations, but for these characters aren't. I See, I think that's interesting because I don't know that, at least for me, the like found family trope needs to be so role specific necessarily. Um, like there needs to be a mom, there needs to be a dad, there needs to be like kid brother, older brother, blah, blah, blah. Um, -hmm. but, but I think it's interesting that for you, that's like a really core part of this trope. Um, and like, are those roles immutable? Like if someone is the father of the group, are they, do they always have to be the father of the group or? No. And and I would say like a fantastic example of that is community. If you want to enumerate your love of, of community real quick. I, if you don't know that we love community at this point, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Um, we did an entire episode on bottle episodes basically because (laughs) of community. (laughs) Um, but yeah, like, I, yeah, I would agree. Like that show, it definitely sort of vacillates a little bit between roles, um, like who's being the dad, who's being the mom. Right. Britta is very maternal in the first season, which is also played like very on the nose, very self-aware, um, where they have that whole episode where Pierce is acting out. Yes. By hanging out with uh, the hipsters who are the old people on campus who all have hip replacements. Yeah. And so Jeff and Britta literally parent him. Yeah. <laughs> There's also an episode where they all explicitly talk about being a family, um, except that no one's related, so they could all fuck each other. <laughs> right. So that's a that's probably a big part of this as well, is the creepiness aspect of it. Yeah. Having found family members and then also having shipping within those groups. Yeah. You know, Aang is very interested in his mother figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say probably the weirdest... mother and father figure are brother and sister. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'd say maybe the weirdest version of this is uh, Meet the Robinsons. Okay. The Disney movie. Do you remember this movie? Yeah, I watched it. I didn't watch it when it first came out. I watched it like years later. It's a weird movie. (laughs) It's like the kid who's an orphan and then goes forward in time and like he's. His son takes him forward in time in a time machine. Yeah. And introduces him to his family, but doesn't tell him that they're his family yeah so he asks to be adopted by his future wife yeah it's weird (laughs) it's so creepy um it's and bizarre and then he goes back in time and then has that whole family and then i guess meets himself (laughs) oh geez guys how did meet the robinsons get made like it's so bizarre i think it was based on a book or something and then somebody pitched them like, but how did well, that book what if we tie made? this into Walt Disney philosophy, like, always improving, yeah. you know, keep moving forward, yeah. um, pro- carousel of progress, and then yeah. somebody was like, okay, yeah. And then what if we put put in that he wanted to be adopted by his wife? Mm-hmm. God, it's just... <laughs> oh, I'm my own grandpa. Um, all right. Next topic. <laughs> yeah. What were you saying about the, um, the roles being mutable and changeable? Yeah. So I think that to use another sort of more modern example, like the show Friends, that's very okay. much found family. 
Um, I think like whatever your opinion on friends are is like, yes, there are other families and lives like come in and out of it. But at the core, like they all have Thanksgiving together. They all do holidays together. Like it's a very sitcom. I think in a lot of ways, I think the reason so many sitcoms are about family is because family is a very easily understandable base unit for us to like sure. wrap our heads around. And I think when you have a sitcom that's not directly about like a mother, father, daughter, son family, um, mm-hmm. like it, it just sort of happens with your right. cast I mean, of adults or the... kids. Yeah. I mean, that's the power of myth, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you, we don't think of our sitcoms as mythic, but the the way that we engage with stories is by connecting them sort of to our own lives and to this vast interconnected history of lives and tropes and things that we recognize. And so when Friends, you know, has them all sort of living in the same house and bickering like a family, and we're, we're connecting to that by connecting it to our own families. Right. And, and I think, like, Friends is a great example of it, like, switch, like, that status quo family filament role switching around a lot. Um, sure. Where it's like, you know, sometimes Ross is the dad, sometimes... Uh, Joey's never the dad Joey's never the dad Joey's always the goofy son like Phoebe I guess Phoebe's the mom sometimes she literally becomes a mom Um, yeah I mean some of them are like the wacky uncle which forms a whole sub trope of this um, (laughs) you know of this family of choice thing is the the honorary uncle or Mm -hmm. honorary aunt Um, you know which is just if somebody has a kid and they form such a close bond in the show that we think of the characters as like siblings. Yeah. Then they become the uncle or aunt to this child. Right. Thing. Um, yeah. But like, I feel like aside from Joey, (laughs) each of the friends sort of like has their time to be the mom or be the sister or be the dad. Um, and and it's always changing and it's not that it ever feels out of character. Um, it's just that, like they each sort of take their turn being... yeah they fill different roles depending on the situation yeah um oh going back to community for a second shirley is often like an extremely maternal figure yes, on the show definitely. or pierce will sometimes be like a father figure to jeff right. whereas jeff is the father figure to, to pierce in a different group. episode yeah um and, you know, sometimes even Annie will step up and, and be maternal or older sister bossy or younger sister innocent, you know, like taking on different roles depending on the situation and their aptitude. Yeah. And and it's interesting because, like, especially in community, which is very trope aware and, like, a little meta, um, mm-hmm. they often, like, call this found familiness out explicitly. Um, sure. Where, like, I know in the, in season three, in the video game episode, where they have to play a video game for Pierce to get his inheritance, um, and then they find out that he has a half-brother. Um, it's a wild show, guys. Uh, but in that episode, they're basically like, your half-brother's sad because he's never had a family, and, like, you have a family now, Pierce, like, you're, you're a part of our family, um, and that ultimately leads them to take mercy on him um, and let him have the inheritance. Um, right. But that's even that's a callback, I think, to like episode three or maybe even episode two. Sure. Um, I think it was in Spanish 101 where um, Jeff 
Jeff and Britta become Abed's parents. No. Oh, well, there's that one for sure. Um, that one's, I think, called Filmography 101 or something. Yeah. Um, Intro to and, But then there's the one where Jeff um, puts on the show for Spanish, the really racist show oh, that's, yeah, like, edgy Pierce. and telling it like it is and has costumes with Pierce. Mm-hmm. And um, he has, like, a sit-down with him at one point and says, you know, even though he didn't ever really have any kids... Oh, no, it was the family meetup day. Yeah. Where Pierce's um, ex-stepdaughter comes. And he's trying really hard to push that relationship. But he doesn't have to because he's got real family at Greendale. Yeah. And that was the moral of that one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's definitely the, like, big moral, I think, of community. And it's in the freaking name is that, like, you can make community and family wherever you go as long as you try. Um, sure. That there, there will be other people for you, and you just have to find right. your tribe. You have to find your community. You have to find your family. Um, right. And in, uh, in community, it's because they're rejects. Sometimes it's because they're little literal orphans. Sometimes it's because they're just societal rejects. Yeah. Um, I, there's a couple of other um, like sitcoms that we have on this list. We've got Full House. Full House um, is a big one, but it's also kind of questionable. Um, one of the the stipulations on the literal website TV tropes for um, they call the trope family of choice. Yeah. Um, they they have adopted and blended families are not examples of this trope because they do have legal status as a family. Yeah. And I don't know, like maybe that's a little limited. Uh, but I don't know, but like a helpful so, limitation. Yeah. Well, like when we were trying to brainstorm um, for this. I brought up the the Bat family because that appears on one of the TV tropes pages, um, but you believe that that's not found family because they're adopting the kids. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a little odd because like as a um, you know a, as a superhero group comes, they're probably like the most distant from each other and like kind of cold to each other, which is part of like the Batman Sona, um, the Batman like imagery is just that like, they just say like very direct plot related things to each other and don't ever really connect on an emotional level. Except, I mean, obviously there's exceptions. Batman's had a long and storied history. Mm hmm. But, like, he and Robin, they have a professional working relationship in addition to a father-son, this-is-my-ward relationship. Yeah, I guess you're right. And and the most recent Robin is literally Batman's son, so well, that one doesn't count. Well, then there you count. go. Yeah, that one um, definitely doesn't count. I, I guess it gets hard with superheroes with, like, different timelines and Earths and... Sure, but Reboots. I think like there are certain there are certain superhero groups where there's no debate about it. Yeah, and I would say that the prime example of that for me is the Teen Titans. What would you say? Um, I would say even more than that, maybe the Runaways. But I agree that both of them are really strong examples. Runaways is very true. Um, because because like literally all of their parents are are horrible, and so yeah. they all run away from their parents. To start a new family. Yeah. But I guess, like, maybe I don't think of that one as much, first of all, just because I didn't grow up with it, and second sure. of all, just because 
Um, like they all make the choice to run away together and they all knew each other while they had families. Yeah, but they didn't like each other at first. Right. But like, that's, I mean, even, even that's like part of it. Like when I think of found family, I think of like, they meet each other while they're like completely alone or, you know, in the process of, of leaving already, or they're already estranged from their family in some way. And then they come together and form a family is like more of it for me. But runaways is definitely like, it definitely falls into this category, but is it like the most this category could possibly be? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think especially if we're talking about, um, like group dynamics and group roles of like having a mother, father, like kid, like brother sister uncle situation i feel like the runaways has like very strong examples of that like sure i I don't know i I feel like it falls into those tropes really nicely in a way that i don't know that teen titans necessarily does like that one feels a little bit more mutable to me like it's it's less static but uh, maybe like maybe it's not about the roles being static or mutable maybe it's just about them being you know very noticeable like just strong differences between the characters i mean i don't i don't know if like the mutability is like makes it less of that trope for me okay i mean in teen titans sometimes robin is like very clearly a father figure and a leader sometimes Mm -hmm. he's just a leader and sometimes you know he's got to sit down and be the little brother to like cyborg or something yeah um, do you have, like, any, like, episodes that jump to mind of, like, around the found family-ness in, of In Teen Titans? Titans? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, again, like, I don't know about the comics, but the comics are definitely, you know, there's a found family-ness to them. But sure. in the Cartoon Network show, um, there's Raven's Birthday episode where mm. she really, like... Um, you know she doesn't really want wants to, to like yeah she really doesn't want to celebrate um but she has to learn over the course that like okay well her father her biological father who's a literal demon um is not great but that doesn't mean that she has to be like that because she has a new family now she has friends and i think yeah. that's like that speaks to that all of them have familial problems or they never had a family that was well-defined. I mean, Cyborg kind of gets the short end of the stick in terms of, like, defining his past because they made a very specific choice in this show to not show anyone's origin story, which I think was a good move. Yeah. Um, I guess except Raven. Raven's origin story is dealt with a little because it just has to be for the plot. Yeah. Um, But Cyborg, like, they just say he, like, got into an accident Mm-hmm. And then they made him a robot. We never see his dad, who's the one who turns him into a robot in the comics. Yeah. And in the movies recently. Um, <laughs> but, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Everybody I think... else, like, they're either leaving a family member like Robin is, mm-hmm. or their sister is a villain like yeah. Starfire's, or oh, Well, we actually do a get demon. a little bit of Starfire's origin story. We get the one episode where she meets all of them. Right, but we don't, um, <laughs> I guess we don't learn about, in the comics, like, all of her powers come from ge- genetic experimentation oh, okay. and all this stuff, but they specifically cut out all of that because it's bullshit and no one cares. Yeah, yeah. 
Good, good call, um, Teen Titans. Yeah, it, Teen Titans got a lot of shit right in in adaptation. Um, yeah, and so did Teen Titans Go. Who cares? <laughs> Never watched it. Let's get back to sitcoms. I think okay because we we kind of jumped off of Full House because like. They're all living in the same house. Are they more or less not a legitimate family? Sure, the the three daughters, their dad is still there. They're still a family. And well, there just are, like, other people in the house helping out still. Isn't at least one of the uncles actually literally related to them? No, I don't think so. David no. Coulier? One of them is, like, their mom's brother or something, I thought. I could be wrong. Really? I'm going to look this up. Danny Tanner's brother-in-law. What? Yeah. Yeah. Where's his wife? Dead. Oh, his wife. His yeah. Well, shit. And who's Dave Cooley? Just their friend? Like, his best friend or whatever, I think. What a stupid show. <laughs> The premise is just like a, a widower and and his deadbeat brother-in-law raise some kids and also their other deadbeat friend who's a failed comedian and actor lives there too. Yep. And they have a dog. Yep. What a stupid premise. It worked great though. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm dropping this one from the list. All right. Not found family. Hashtag <laughs> not found family. Okay, but the parody of um, Full House is, like, a little bit more found family. Like, BoJack Horseman, yeah. which is trying to take off on Full House, but also other um, 90s sitcoms. Yeah. And all of those characters are also, like we were talking about with Community, they're societal rejects of some kind, um, partially because they're celebrities, but also a lot of them are washed-up celebrities, Right, they're washed-up celebrities, or they're lost Hollywood, L.A. souls. Like, it's very much that, like, vacant L.A. exploration of fame and the hangers-on around fame. And Um, because of that, they kind of, like, cling to each other, at least in the first season. And then as things go on, they find themselves, like, having to cut off ties with these, you know, found family members... Or and they... I think that's what sort of distinguishes BoJack Horseman from a lot of other found family type fare is that yeah. these people totally recognize that they're 100% flawed individuals and that they're toxic to each other Yeah, it's... and they have to separate. It's it's almost like a subversion of the found family trope yeah. a little bit. Um, it's a found estranged family. Yeah, it's like... An estranged found family. Exactly. It's These people are often so self-destructive and destructive to those around them that they are They have to run away from the families that they... That run they away, create. Run away from their families to run away too. Exactly. Um, and, and it's... I think it's fascinating. I mean, everyone, <laughs> I'm not the only one to love BoJack Horseman by a long shot. Right. Um, and to think that it tackles a lot of these issues and topics with like right. immense nuance and with a lot to say about all of it. Um, right. But, but I think it's so great that because it is the sitcom, they do all keep coming back to each other in the same way that, 
like you do sometimes go back to people who are bad in your life because they're comfortable and they already know the worst parts of you. So they have to accept you. Um, That's another thing is the idea of like these people who know each other more than the other people. So that is what makes you a family is sort of being known by people in a group and having them know bad parts about you, but still wanting to stick around. Um, But that can lead to like when you start to deconstruct that, you start talking about how toxic it is to have these like codependent sitcom relationships. And that was what community was about a lot as well. Yeah. Um, Like it's not always healthy to just like rely on this group of strangers kind of. For all of your affection and self-worth. For all of your affection and self-worth, for all of your, like, dealing with mental health issues, dealing with, sure. like, addiction issues, dealing, like, like yes, these people are there for you and they want to help you, but they're not always the best equipped to do it. Um, of course. And, like, ultimately you have to want to make the change before that one, change is going to happen. One really weird example of the toxic found family is in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. That's a good Wherein one. you have a brother and sister who were raised by um, not an illegitimate father. What's the word? Um, a, a, a cuckold? Yeah, uh, I guess. In, in like the traditional sense of the word, not in the Donald Trump sense of the word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their, their father uh, who raised them. It's um, not actually their biological father. Right. And then their friend who their father might actually be their biological father. Uh-huh. Um, Charlie thinks that Frank is his bio Real daddy. Bad. Oh my God. Um, and, uh, and then you have Mac who's completely estranged from his mother and father who openly hate him and despise him. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, and then they all came together and went on family feud. Yeah. Uh, parody called family fight. <laughs> So, yeah, they've formed a sort of family, but it's the most toxic possible form of family that you can imagine. And that's the joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, not not every family is healthy, but I I don't know. I think aside from Bojack, I tend to prefer the ones that are like adding a little comfort to our heroes lives or making everyone feel a little bit better. Something maybe, positive. Yeah, which is maybe a little saccharine, but, like, usually it's because these characters are going through, like, really tough, crazy crap already. and like, Yeah, I don't think it has to be saccharine. I mean, when you're talking about going through tough, crazy stuff, that makes me think of uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Which is a big part of, uh, of the whole... Um, finding a family as a result of great tragedy. Mm-hmm. So it's not too saccharine. It's very full of loss that in yeah. that loss is dealt with in a, in a huge way. And, and the thing that tends to make them family is like fighting alongside each other um, or opposing evil together. This is my first exposure to the military family. Trope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's definitely a couple of those that we have, have on our list. Um, right, but this is, I mean, this is an old trope. As long as there have been stories told about war, there have been stories about people forming bonds with their brothers at arms. Yeah, for sure. Some notable examples, we've also got um, Battlestar Galactica, which is literally, the entire thing is about being at war with robots. 
um, and being like the last 500 people in space or whatever. Um, right. I think it's maybe a little bit more than that, but the point is there's not a lot of people. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's very much about the military epicenter and political epicenter trying to work together towards a common goal and sort of becoming a family around that. There's romance. There's not romance. There's right. definitely a lot. There is a little literal father and son relationship. Um, mm -hmm. but beyond that, no one else in that group is related and it is very much like um like mentor mentee in a very paternal and maternal ways um and like there's the crazy uncle and like your weird aunt <laughs> role who definitely gets thrown in there exactly. when one of the robots defects blah 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 uh, everyone should watch um, Battlestar Galactica it's great um, yeah, and we... then you know, on video game terms, there's there's Mass Effect, yes. which there's f family there along with your your military compatriots. Mm -hmm. I would say less so is this trope in effect in the the first Mass Effect. Like it's definitely there, but it definitely feels more like a team. Like we gotta get the team together. Whereas in um, Mass Effect 2, it really starts to take on a family feel when you're literally adopting these, like, space orphans or you have, like, the head mother of the, like, sexy alien race who <laughs> joins you because she, like, wants to help. <laughs> right. um, it really does. And, and speaking of wars in space, there's, uh, there's Star Wars. Oh, yeah the big one that's that's the that's the big one and as the big one i think it, it takes on a more mythic um view of this trope mm -hmm. you know the found family here is sure you know han han is like the, the cool older brother and luke is like the cool younger brother and obi-wan kenobi is like like this found father figure and then there's a literal sister Leia. But then also, you know, you've just got like mentor figures that mm -hmm. are are presented as father figures for the purpose of of guiding the story, um, which you know kind of goes back to like Lord of the Rings or any monomythic story where yeah. like Gandalf is always going to be your found grandpa no matter who <laughs> you are. Right, um, right. Like and and you know Obi Wan Kenobi and Yoda are also going to be your found grandpas. Mm -hmm. um, because they're going to teach you all about your lineage. They're going to teach you all about how to fight and share their wisdom with you. Yeah. And I think Star Wars also make an... you feel like a like a good boy. Yeah, I think Star Wars is an interesting example of the found family trope because like it's very rare that you get the whole family in one room, you know? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I think that's interesting because in a lot of these other shows and games and what have you that we're talking about, oftentimes you get everyone in one room. They're all there together at the same time being a family. But then right. in Star Wars, it's like Luke is just sort of this like central character who this family sort of orbits around. And right. like, I don't think they're ever all in the same scene together, you know? No, I mean, like, Which I think is fine. the interesting thing is that the found family over the court in the first movie, over the course of the next two movies, you find out who the literal blood family is mm -hmm. and like some of the pieces line up and some of them kind of don't. And it's 
that's really confusing. So, so where they're like, oh, well, we've set up this Darth Vader guy. His name is literally the German word for father. Um, <laughs> so, like, he's the he's the dad yeah. um, of that story. But then they make it literal in the second one. Yeah. Not in the first one. Yeah. So it's, like, kind of leaving people on a cliffhanger. And then it's not until the third one that we find out that Leia, who serves as, like, an, an, uh, you know, a sister figure um, to Luke... Is a literal yeah. sister. Throw a wrench in those shipping wars. <laughs> she starts out as a romantic interest. Um, yeah. <laughs> when we were making this list, I briefly, sorry, just talking about throwing a wrench in sister brother shipping. Um, I wanted to put Homestuck on this list initially. I was thinking about Homestuck too. But then I realized they're all actually related yeah. so you can't it's all an incestuous horrifying love it's affair it's a slurry of incestuous goo yeah but it is interesting when you have like a brother meeting his older brother but they're the same age or you know a father or a grandfather meeting a granddaughter but they're the same age right it's a, that's a weird Found family kind of situation. They do sort of form bonds across generations like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, or even just finding out that, like, someone is a, like, genetic family member who wasn't in your life for a long time or right. you didn't that realize. That can be sort of a found family thing yeah. as well. The long lost sister, long yeah. lost brother trope. Yeah. Which is a little bit what happens in Star Wars with Leia and Luke because they've yeah. interacted and blah, blah, blah. It's a little bit what happens in uh, the original She-Ra cartoon, where you find out that she's the long-lost twin sister of He-Man. I mean, of course. <laughs> God, it's so convoluted, the way that they just make this spin-off. They could have made it so simple. Just had to make it Yeah, just have it be, like, a sister kingdom, and this is, like, the other chosen one who gets the sword. But no, yeah. it's, like, they're... Their twin sister who was kidnapped <laughs> by Hordak when he was she was young, and then they had to wipe everyone's minds. I'm sorry yeah. if I gotta if I gotta talk about the original He-Man and She-Ra anymore, it's gonna be too much. <laughs> All right, well, why don't we talk about your other favorite thing, David? Shrek. Shrek. I'll, let me take that again. Shrek. Nope, I can't do it. <laughs> One more time. Donkey. Yeah, there you go. That's how you do it. You gotta say donkey. Shrek. <laughs> Fucking um, awful. Donkey, um, Shrek, and Fiona. A found family, would you not say? No, I wouldn't. Okay. Explain. <laughs> I, I wouldn't count that that trope. When you have, like, a, a trio of characters that, you know, form a close bond that is never broken, and one of them is a romantic couple, and one of them is a best friend buddy pairing, I wouldn't consider that a found family. Would you? I mean, I kind of do. But, like, it it, it kind of breaks apart for me because, like, at that point, you're, like, the, the roles that are set for you, they aren't familial roles. They're just literally, like, normal human relationships that people have. But, I mean, aren't familial roles that? Like... Well, I, I guess. I mean, like, these, these are characters that, like, their, their family aspect is never really addressed... Like, I'm sure Shrek had parents, maybe? Right. I'm sure Donkey... I mean, Donkey was raised, I guess, by the horrible old woman who sells him for seven cents. Yeah. Um, 
And Fiona has parents who are in the sequels. Yeah. And they just kind of, like, Shrek and Donkey hang out and eventually become friends. And that's one pairing, but there's nothing familial about that. They don't become, like, brothers, really. Well, they don't um, become brothers, but I don't know. I feel like Shrek sort of adopts Donkey, however begrudgingly. He's like a son to yeah. Fiona and Shrek? Yeah. Well, no, he literally says in one of the uh, one of the movies, he says, like, I'm going to be an uncle when they find out that Fiona's pregnant. Okay. Like, he's more of, like, an uncle trope. He's, he's an, you know, an honorary uncle. An Uncle Dave Coulier. He's a Dave Coulier. He's the Weird failed comedian... On. Failed comedian leading on Shrek for, yeah. you know, money and, you know, a place to <laughs> crash. All right. Okay. I, I guess I would buy that. Uh, I don't know. There is there's something more familial about Shrek than, I would say, other movies that have the... I think like... you're just sort of... You're, you're reacting to the outcast nature of them, which, yes, okay. they are all outcasts. Maybe that's it. But they don't really form a found family. They just sort of, you know, form... A singular friendship, which is pretty uncomplicated by familial things, like that's true. All right, I would, I would agree with that. You, okay. want, you want to talk about superheroes some more? No, I want to talk about Lilo and Stitch. You want to talk about Lilo and Stitch? Well, you've got orphans, one of whom forms a maternal relationship to the other. They're orphaned sisters. Yep. And then, like, some aliens show up. But they all become part of a family. Like, it's literally about family. You know. It is. Like, but you know, like <laughs> it's a it's a it's a weird kind of moral when in the end the thing that saves the day is not that like Stitch proves to them that he's part of their family. He just proves that he is the legal property of Lilo by holding up uh, like a, the the contract that they've saved of him being purchased. <laughs> Yeah, there's, like, a weird amount of kind of bureaucracy in Lilo and Stitch, but... I, well, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about, like, you know, child protective services separating families. Yeah. Um, on the basis of, like, you know, trying to, to you know, preserve child safety. Yeah. They're actually endangering the family unit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, that's a complicated topic. But was it the most sense-making way to end a, a movie about the true bonds of families that you can make with other people that are different from you to, to be like, this is my dog that I bought. <laughs> I mean, but like, that was just like the technical thing that got them around it. It's like, the the I think the moral holds up like that. He's a joined the family. Oh sure, I mean like the moral itself holds up, but like to to what extent does the plot support the moral? I don't know. Okay, um, but but there's no denying that there's definitely at least I think found family here. Like you end of up course. with, especially if you take it into it like, stitches found family though. Yeah, you know? yes, for sure. Um, and this is part of the there's a nature versus nurture aspect to the found family trope that I don't think we've discussed that much. Yeah, we haven't which is, yet. Which is like, you know, Stitch thinks that he's like inherently evil because that's what his bio daddy, um, <laughs> Jamba. God, that is the worst Jamba the sentence Hutt. you've ever fucking said. His, oh my his God. bio daddy. His bio daddy Jamba. Like, I don't know. 
That's his, wanna, that's his name. I know, but just referring to him as a bio daddy. I have to go clean my ears with bleach. <laughs> but his, his, his bio papa. Oh, um, no, it's worse. <laughs> tells him that, um, that he's inherently evil because he was programmed and designed to be that way. That's the nature. But because of the nurturing power of a family that loves him, he's able to become good. Yeah. Do we see that in any of these other uh, stories that, that are on this list? Hmm, like the rehabilitative power of family? I can think of one, but I want to see if you get it. This uh, is a test. Oh boy, Guardians of the Galaxy, probably. Yeah! These are all space criminals who don't got no love criminals. in their life. They're, they're, sky, they're sky bandits. Yep. I, I do have to say, I really love this trope when it deals with like crime. kind of shitty adults yeah like crime um i feel yeah, like another crime one we families could, are great like I, like i feel like another thing that we could throw on here is like all of the oceans movies you know exactly like, they're yeah. a little bit like the families and like that is oh my god i cannot believe that we did not put fast and the furious on this list oh it is frick. the most explicit version of this trope ever because in every single scene um, Vin Diesel goes, "Cause we're family. Yeah, that's what it's about. We're family. We gotta do it for family. That yeah, that's it. Falls like hardcore into that like adult criminals who like only care about themselves. They're out for a paycheck, but then they end up in an unlikely. I uh, like Firefly. You could put on here. God, how do we miss Firefly? Because um, there's just so many of this trope. There's no way we're going to get to all of them. Yeah. Please send us tweets. We need the tweets of <laughs> what are you all the ones that we missed. We need yeah. to fill out these TV tropes pages because none of this stuff is on there. I know. This, it's wild. This, this stuff is barren. Um, yeah. Another one, you know, any type of criminal family, like mafia style, would fit yep. into this. Bacano, well, the anime, Bacano is uh, an anime, anime that we love very much. But, you know, even anything like The Sopranos, sure, there's actual familial ties in The Sopranos, but the family, the family, that's different. And that's somebody, they chose each other and they care about each other like a family. What do you think about um, The Wire? Do you think like that has any examples of of this trope in there? I haven't watched The Wire. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Um... But I'm sure it does. Yeah, I, it's like it's one that I was thinking about, but I, I hesitated from putting it on here because like there's definitely two different families that we've got going on. Um, like there's the police side of the family, and then there's like the drug dealers side. Um, and again, yeah. it gets a little complicated in that there are some people who are actually legitimate family members. Yeah, I, I think because the wire takes such a nitty gritty like true to life kind of take on everything um it, it would fall more on like the bojack horseman side of this is that like yeah these people are your family and that you feel responsibility to them and they take care of you and there's like a sense of fatherhood or motherhood from some people um that that gets really messy and makes it hard to live your best life because of that um and that those relationships are sometimes toxic and not always like the best that's where i would 
think the wire falls on this list. Yeah, but but Guardians of the Galaxy, like we were saying, yeah. I think that's like a big part of that is the fact that it makes them better people mm-hmm. to be part of like a group of people that loves them, and it resolves a lot of their baggage, like like Drax's baggage. Um, yeah. That he's like got this dead family, but now now that he has a new family, that kind of resolves a lot of his issues, which you really see reflected in uh, Guardians Two. Yeah, for sure. Or like you know the fact that um, Gamora is starting to learn to be loved allows her to reach out, you know, a hand to her sister, sister, Nebula. um, And even that is sort of found family. Like they're not literally related. Right, they're just tortured together. And yeah. that was the same thing with She-Ra and Katra. Yeah. Everyone's, you know, suffering together by their adopted parents that yep. murdered their old parents. Yep. Um, um, speaking of t- tortured childhoods uh, and, and people healing from that, we, we've also got Harry Potter on this list. Yeah, I think this is, like, a very clear example of, like, the wish fulfillment aspect of uh, found family, where, like, if you grew up in a family that you didn't really like, it's very exciting to sort of be whisked away to a magical world, where also, as a bonus, you get to hang out with, um, you know, (laughs) all the Weasleys. Yeah, you get two cool siblings and and a bunch of Weasleys. You get a dope mom and, like, a sick-ass like grandma or aunt and like the best dad (laughs) actually the worst dad grandpa dumbledoop well i mean that's that's the dad like i thought he was the grandpa dumbledoop i thought his dad was serious black his dad is serious black but it's also remus lupin and it's like harry has so many father figures like the whole series is him just looking for father figures and consistently being let down by all of them um which is fine because that's sort of his his thing that he has to come to terms with and be his own dad. <laughs> well, like, the whole thing is... I mean, if you want to hear my shitty reading of it, because I don't even, you know... I'm not even that invested in Harry Potter, but as a shitty outside reading, like, okay. it kind of seems like the whole thing is about him trying to contextualize his, um, his parents' death yeah. by looking to a bunch of shitty father figures who most of them end up dying... But yeah. all of them die for, like, really important reasons. I think literally all of them are... Well, here's the thing. I think all of them die for somewhat important reasons, but also, like, for stupid like reasons Like, world-ending reasons, too. though. World, yes. Like, they're very consequential reasons. Like, all of their deaths are very consequential. But, like, some of their deaths are unnecessary and, like painful in their unnecessariness um, well sure but i mean like when sirius dies he dies protecting harry when well but that's the thing he actually doesn't really die protecting harry like he kind of does but it's like he wasn't supposed to leave the safe house and like left the safe house anyway and died by his own like impulsiveness and his own inability to to stay out of it um, but if he didn't maybe harry would have died Maybe, but maybe not. I'm not like, too. I'm not too big on like the let's punish serious black train. But like <laughs> even you know Dumbledore, I, he died for very like important reasons that you don't find out until the end of the yeah. You know the next book. But you also find um, out that Dumbledore was raising Harry this entire time so that he would die. Like that's 
the sure. big thing that you find out about Dumbledore, which is pretty shitty. Like, that's not a cool right. thing to but do, that's like, Dad. You know, I mean, Harry ends up living. It's fine. It all worked out <laughs> in the end. Um, and, like, what do you, you know, what are you supposed to do if you're a Dumbledore and you know that this kid has to die in order to stop Hitler? But, right. you know, you still want him to have a happy life. You still want him to, you know. Make friends. Make friends and experience joy. And you want to give him the chance to walk away and not die if, you know, you get to that point. But in any case, like, they're all dying for these, like, really important plot-related reasons. Whereas his dad died and it was just, like, you know, another tragic thing. It had no point. So his real father dies pointlessly and he spends the whole seven books trying to figure out why dads have to die. Yeah. And the answer is to defeat Hitler. Turns out all the dads had to die. To defeat Hitler. Yeah, all the dads have to die to Even his Hitler. dad. Even yeah. his, like, real dad. Yeah, it was required. It was necessary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mom deaths, too. But there just aren't as many yeah. female deaths in Harry Potter for him to yeah. attach ma- maternal meaning to. Well, he also has a lot fewer maternal figures. I would say it's mostly just, yeah. um, like, Molly thing. Weasley and McGonagall. Yeah, and they're fine. It, and, and like, he has, like, his mom is also continually shown as, like, this great, wonderful woman, whereas his dad is kind of showed as this, like, flawed man. Um, right. And he has to sort of wrestle with that and figure out, is he right. himself a flawed person? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think because of all, like, the father stuff and that Harry keeps finding these father figures and definitely has siblings and Ron and Hermione and even sometimes the rest of the Weasleys. Um, Except for one who... Who is his girlfriend. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Like, that's the biggest thing with found family is how weird it makes shipping sometimes. It it can make it a little creepy. A little creepy. What about in Sense8 where they're also all the same person? I never never watched Sense8. What is it? Yeah. So, I feel like a tragic amount of people have never watched Sense8, which is wrong and you should all fix it and go watch it. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's basically uh, one day all of these adults across kind of every continent um, experience this awakening and are able to connect with seven other people around the world um, and they can sort of see through their eyes and experience what they're experiencing. Right. And so they're all the same. They're all the same person, and it yes. all uh, reaches its climax in a giant orgy, right? Yeah, so it actually does. Go. It ends in a giant orgy. Um, so this is what we're saying about creepiness. <laughs> yeah. Well, you so have it's... your found family, and then you're all the same person, and then you all fuck each other. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like they do talk. They actually address it in the show. Um, they, like, someone is, like, finding romance within your own cluster, which is what they call, like, the other people you're, like, awakened with, um, is, like, the highest form of narcissism. Um, (laughs) and, uh, yeah, like, they have a lot of really interesting stuff, but it definitely falls into that, we're, like, family, but there's nothing that, we're not all technically related, really, so... But then they, like, half of them do have other partners, and then those partners sort of get subsumed into the giant orgy, and it's very weird and interesting. Yum. 
yum. It's great. I don't know if I'm selling anyone on it right now, but it's a really interesting show. Um, there's, we talked about Fullmetal Alchemist, but there's also a ton of other um, anime, especially, that mm-hmm. I think fall like hardcore into this. Um, we also talked about Bacchano, but um, there's Kill La Kill and Naruto. Like, I, if Naruto is not about found family, like, right? What is it about? Um, it's about uh, nothing if it's not about that. Yeah, like <laughs> his brother Sasuke, his dad the Hokages, like, and Kakashi, and blah blah blah. Um, like all of his friends, like, like it's all just about this hardcore sense of like. Fr- like ultimate friendship um right which th- like is there's an actual word for it in japanese which is nakama um yeah. which is just like this sense of family from your friends like this sense of community um and tv tropes actually has like a a sub trope for this called true companions um where right but i mean that can just refer to you know any like friendship grouping that's you know, closer than they would have with a familial clan as well. Right, right. So, But I think, like, you know, another example of this is Oran High School Host Club, um, where Tamaki, the, like, king of the club, very much calls himself the father and refers to, like, his best friend um, Kyoya as mother all the time and the main character is his daughter, but a lot of that is to actually mask his romantic feelings, which goes back to the whole, like weird shipping squeakiness of the found family. And, and also something that's like incredibly interesting about Oran is how it plays with gender. And like yeah. you said, you know, calling a male character mother yeah, um, is, you know, something that I would like to see more in these, um, you know, fam- found family tropes is, yeah. you know, sometimes the father figure of the group doesn't always have to be male. Yeah. It just has to be someone who is paternalistic and, you know, who who sets out sets apart what's right and what's wrong. Who helps guide the the you know the character and the oh, maternal totally. figure who provides compassion that can be male, um, or you know anything in between. Like yeah. these things aren't necessarily set in stone that way. Right. Um. I I think another like huge anime example that we'd be super remiss to not touch on is One Piece. Um, where, like, the crew is the show. Um, you know, it's goofy younger brother goes around and collects family. <laughs> you get, like... <laughs> right, because, like, what is Robin if not the mom? And what is Nami if not, like, the hot sister? And, like... And, and none of them kiss. Like, people ship all they want. But none of them kiss. None of them do it. Very like, important. Sanji's the horny uncle, but, like doesn't actually kiss anyone, you know? Um, Chopper's the, like, younger brother. You get Frankie, who's a little bit of the dad character. Zoro's kind of the dad sometimes. Um, they all take turns being the dad on that one. Yeah. Um, but, like, that whole show is just about, like, how far you would go for your family, for your friends, and that, like, they're the... They're the true treasure <laughs> the whole yeah. time. There's also, you know, of course, all of the, um, you know, wish fulfillment kids anime that we grew up with all have this element to it because 
partially because they want to remove actual parents from the story. So, like, in a a wish fulfillment story like Digimon, all the kids are separated from the parents, but they still form little familial roles within that. Joe is, you know, very Papa-ish and... Sora is kind of the mom Sora's a little bit. very maternal. Um, but I, I think that's another one where, like, they they can take turns. Sure. Um, I mean, Ty, as the leader, often has yeah. to be the dad to whip yeah. Joe into shape, who's also a coward yeah. uh, sometimes. Um, and then, you know, uh, Ty and Matt battle over who gets to be the older brother to... Um, their two younger siblings. <laughs> to TK and Kari. Yeah. M- more so TK, but yeah. 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 Um, like, there's definitely a big part of that. And I think it goes back to the fact that, like, orphaned for convenience or, like, just removing the parents so that these kids Yeah, but, I mean, all of these characters have parents, which we meet once they go back to the real world, but they still have this familial bond as well um, that they formed while they were off on that adventure. Yes. And even stuff like Pokemon, I mean, the Pokemon themselves form, like, a family. Yeah. Um, If you ever see episodes where all the Pokemon are out on their own, they have those kind of relationships with each other. They have... They're all, like, the kids in a really creepy way of, <laughs> of Ash. Um, he's just this single father raising, like, 40 kids. Oh, my God. And he sometimes just drops them off with their mother, their, oh their grandmother or God. something. That's so <laughs> fucking true. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, and then, you know, like, Brock and Misty sometimes play paternal and maternal roles with Ash. Yeah. Um, until they are similarly discarded. Um the, the longer you run a show, the, <laughs> the more you get creepy stuff like this. Yeah. And even, um, like, Dragon Ball Z, yeah. right? I mean... Like, Vegeta and Goku are not brothers, but they were once combined into the same person with fusion. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. Um, but, like, even beyond that, it's sort of like... Like, Goku and Vegeta's families sort of come together as one, like, larger family that... Um, yeah, is is sort of found family, um, or maybe it's more Full House. I don't know. Um, but, no, but no, it's pretty have, like... Z. It's pretty Z family. I yeah. mean, like the the bonds between Krillin and Goku that goes yeah. back to their childhood, That's and their true. families grow up together, and Vegeta's families grow up together with them as well, yeah. um, because Bulma's part of it, and you know, very close familial bonds there. Speaking of fusion and families, yeah, Steven Universe, yeah, that's very an very found family, yeah. Um, well, because certainly Steven being raised by three people who are not biologically his mother is very found family, yes. And absolutely. the lost parental figure that's very much ground into this trope, even though in this case it's because Rose transforms into Steven. But um, I think that's. That's still, I I think regardless of that, it's it's still relevant because I I feel of like course. we all feel like, especially like regardless of if your parent is dead or not, like you wonder, am I going to be my parents? And in some ways, yes, absolutely, you're going to be your parents, and in other ways, you're not. And like dealing with that is a very like innate question sure. that I think. Yeah, everyone I mean, there's faces. there's there's stuff there beyond the literal. Yeah. But then even just on a literal basis, you have a whole Thanksgiving episode, wherein Stephen's uncle 
or you know, second cousin shows up. Uh-huh. Um, Greg's first cousin. Um, and uh, they have like this squabble over like the, who's Stephen's real family. And, right. you know, it turns out that his real family is, yes, all the gems and all of his human family. And he comes from both lines and they have to come together. Um, the hippies and the <laughs> DeMeos. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and, and like, I feel like also a big part of the found family trope is the like sometimes slow collection of more and more family members, which like Steven Universe does all the time. You know, like we get Lapis and we get and Peridot, um, Peridot. shows up. And Peridot yeah. plays into what we said earlier about the nature versus nurture thing. And right. Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl play into the gender thing that we were talking yep. about, where, you know, Garnet's very paternal. Um, not a male. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a lot going on in Steven Universe in terms of the found family trope. Yeah. Um, Because it is just a a show all about love in all its forms. Exactly. And that love doesn't need to be any particular thing or from any particular person to be valid and meaningful. Of course. Um, um, and that might be a good note to leave off on. Um, yeah. do, do you have any, any hopes and dreams for the, the future of the found family trope? Um, hopes and dreams, just more of it everywhere. It's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Although it's... I do want to tack on, we might cut this, but sometimes the, the trope fails miserably. Um, the, the Jurassic world movie tried to do like a found family thing oh, with, God, um, with the the main character and like those two kids because oh, it was boy. trying to copy off of the original Jurassic Park which really did have a found family narrative where it's all about um the scientist learning that it's not so bad to have kids and to raise kids versus that was, dinosaurs like, the whole... versus dinosaurs um but you know when they tried to remake it they like forgot to include all of, like the heartwarming moments between <laughs> the parent and the kids yeah. found family thing. Yeah. So it just becomes like, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you should have kids <laughs> I, I, because you're a woman. Oh my God. Just kill me now. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like, <laughs> I think that's not a indictment of the trope itself. It's the common indictment of people will often do tropes poorly. Um, and if you're right. a bad writer, just because you understand what is in a trope doesn't mean you can execute it well. That's very true. Um, um, do you want to run through? I think we had a couple more on this list that we didn't get to. I, I don't read a lot of comics, but you, yeah. you had some comics. Um, I put both Saga and Paper Girls on here. And I, I'm thinking about it. And you can also put The Wicked and Divine on here as well. Um, if mm. you can tell, I have a big boner for <laughs> image comics. <laughs> um, but Saga is tricky because there is an actual literal family at the center of it. Um, a mother, a father, and their mixed race child. Um but it takes place in space and they're all aliens and it's in the middle of like an intergalactic war between the two parents like races that has been going on for millennia. Um, drama. Drama. <laughs> but they like, I, for me, the found family elements of this is that they are constantly picking up people who are sort of joining or leaving their 
core family unit um, and in ways that often are very maternal because at times the family is split up. And so the daughter ends up with a maternal figure in her life who isn't her mother, who then joins the family later or um, like even the parents themselves end up with maternal and paternal figures, or they end up with other children that they're looking after um, in place of their own daughter. And like, there's just like a lot around this idea of, family and what it means to mm-hmm. be in one and they also go through a lot of the like full metal alchemist battlestar galactica style um like war trials pals. yeah like war pals like we are bonded through violence <laughs> now right but also friends in peace um paper girls this one might be more on the digimon side of things um, this is like where they a, all have real parents, but they uh, yeah, re- but they form closer bonds with their friends. Yeah, they basically get separated from their parents because they end up bopping around through time accidentally. Um, <laughs> there's also like aliens and time travel in this one. Um, and then Wicked and the Divine, it's that these like random people become reincarnations of gods. Um, and so they sort of are like this pantheon, um, and the pantheon has its own, like, mother, father, daughter, sister, brother relations within it, but then they, as, like, people They just end up replicating the actual familial relations of their, what their, their their reincarnated reincarnated gods. Yeah, so some of that, but then they're still informed by the humans that they are or were. Um, so there's a lot of like, that one falls more into like the, like squicky kind of shipping stuff sometimes. Of course. Um, But I mean, Greek pantheons, very shipping as well. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and then I think the last one that I want to talk about that I love the most recent one to come into my life, I guess besides She-Ra, but, um, (laughs) the Adventure Zone podcast, uh, where you get a, a dumb wizard, uh, a brave warrior and a horny cleric and they're <laughs> just friends on an adventure until they're suddenly a family. Uh, and they're and also so being more. voiced by literal family members. They are being voiced by literal family members, which is sometimes hilarious, especially when shipping comes into play because the one brother is all of the NPCs. Uh, <laughs> right. So course. anyone that they're like doing anything like mildly romantic with is often with each other, which is, but I think naturally like Merle is like a paternal figure to them. Not just in that he is one in the game, but But just by nature of the characterization. Yeah. You know, these, the players have relationships in real life that impact the relationships their characters have, which maybe that seems, maybe it's like kind of similar to the wicked and the divine, you know, there's a higher plane of existence where Informing all of everything. the original relationships occur and then that just trickles down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but I think it also plays into the tropes with, like, there is a slow collection of people into the found family, into the family unit. Um, they, right. they join the Bureau of Balance, which, like has its own sort of like mom already there and then um like definitely sibling type characters get introduced and 
Um, it, it, it does a little bit the Guardians of the Galaxy thing where it's like we all kind of have to hold hands and sing together at the end to defeat the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's right. not quite like that. It, there's a little bit more actual violence involved. But All right. Uh, a couple yeah. of... Uh, to, to wrap up, here are some of the ones on our list that we didn't get to talk about because this is just such a big trope and it's such it a is. joy for both of us. It's so good. Um, we didn't talk about Buffy. We no. didn't talk about... Um, Fire Emblem, which is kind of similar to Mass Effect and like the military family kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and we didn't talk, talk about... about Toy Story. Nope. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's all from our list, but like I'm sure there are you can think like, of a million so many uh, examples out there. Adventure Time just popped into my head. Yeah. Um, the Goonies. Yeah. Um, you know, anything with like a group of kids going on an adventure where it's not that best friend and romantic tertiary character, like trio. Right. Um, if you step outside the trio, then it like almost immediately becomes found family. Yeah. Like add, <laughs> add a fourth or fifth character, like Power Rangers could maybe go on here. Um, yeah. Like, Except they're all so characterless that they... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, so, no so sideburns seasons. on Power some seasons they have more character than others, but For yeah. Sure. Um, t- so yeah, tell us what yours are. We really want to hear. Um, I think it's impossible to maybe pick yeah. a favorite, but like top five, like. I think when it comes down to it, um, I would choose you for my family, Hannah, even if you weren't my family. <laughs> Aw, thanks, David. Um, I'm gonna choose your brother. Fuck. <laughs> All right. See see you later, guys. And uh, you can you can be in our found family if you'd yes, like. Just send us tweets. Family. Send us tweets. At Talking Tropes. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.